Now, there's no uh, real way around it. Tonight's uh, message is, at least in many ways, uh, a message about giving, about giving money. Uh, But I want to make very clear that the application uh, is not so much uh, give lots and lots of money to this church. Uh, It's always an awkward thing when you're uh, pastor of a church and you rely on the church to pay uh, your wages uh, to give a sermon on giving money. It's an awkward thing to do. It reminds me a little bit of a uh, joke, really. I heard about two men who were marooned on an island. And one of the men was frantic with worry and he paced backwards and forwards, uh, worried and scared about what the future held for them, marooned on this island. The other man, however, sat back and was simply sunning himself on the beach without care in the world. And the first man said to him, aren't you afraid Uh, we could be about to die? And the second man replied, oh no. I make 100,000 a week, and I tithe faithfully to my church every week. My pastor is sure to find me very soon. (laughs) And you can see that, unfortunately, uh, can be the impression given by many pastors or televangelists on the TV, uh, asking for money and encouraging people and manipulating people into giving more Money And sadly, so often that is motivated less by a desire to preach God's word, but to uh, increase their own bank balances. Uh, so I just want to say at the start, I don't care where you give your money, as long as it's uh, in a way that promotes God's kingdom, wherever that might be. Uh, but my title uh, might uh, make you think otherwise. Uh, My title, if you like, for this evening's message is, what does God see, or what does Jesus see when he sees your giving? What does Jesus see when he sees your giving? Because the Bible says that Jesus does see. Uh, In this passage, We're told that Jesus sat opposite the treasury in the temple and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Jesus was watching, and he's watching still today. He's watching as we put money into the treasury, as it were. But you might be surprised at what Jesus saw. Because what Jesus saw and what Jesus delighted to see might not be exactly what you would expect. So what did Jesus see? Well, we see, we're told, first of all, what he saw. It says, verse 41, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury, and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. So the first thing Jesus sees is many rich people who come to the treasury and they put in much. 
Now, my understanding is outside the treasury in the temple. Now, remember, the temple wasn't just like a little building, like a church. The, the temple, as described in the Bible, uh, was a whole uh, a complex, if you like. It had the temple building, but surrounding that, there were lots of other buildings on the temple mount. And one of them was the treasury. And outside the treasury, um, if my sources are correct, were these uh, brazen trumpet-shaped bowls. And people would put their offerings into these trumpet-shaped bowls, wide at the top and narrow at the bottom. And um, scholars say that the noise of the coins uh, hitting the brass would make it quite clear how much or how little people were putting in. And so you can imagine uh, rich people with bags full of money pouring it into these brazen uh, trumpet-shaped bowls. And you can hear the coins rattling and ringing as it goes into these brass bowls. And Jesus can hear that. And Jesus can see that. These rich men and women uh, dressed with Uh, beautiful clothing, well-to-do, giving of their abundance into the treasury. That's the first thing that Jesus sees. But that's not all he sees. Look at verse 42. It says, Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. Jesus sees a poor widow coming by. And and we need to understand, because obviously it's not quite the same in our society, at least not to the same extent, Uh, but widows were in many ways at the bottom of the economic pile uh, in Israel at this time. Uh, It was a very patriarchal society, and if you did not have a husband, you would find it very difficult to earn money. You would have to rely on the generosity of others. Uh, And here we see a widow who is clearly very, very poor. And she puts into these great offering bowls just two mites. Uh, Now a mite, if I've um, discovered correctly, would have been roughly the equivalent of a kind of 50p coin. Uh, That was roughly what a mite would be worth. And so she puts, as it were, two 50p coins into the offering. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen in supermarkets, I don't know if they still have these, but in supermarkets they sometimes have these sort of bowls for giving to charity. And you can put the coin in and it sort of rolls around. It's for children to sort of enjoy the sight of the coin going round and round and round before it drops into the bottom. And uh, that's how I imagine it here. Uh, She has two coins. And after the sort of ringing and the clanging of the coins as rich people have poured theirs in, you just hear the single solitary or the two solitary noises of these 50p's, as it were, slowly dropping into the bowl you think how pitiful, how pathetic in comparison to the wealth that others have poured in. Now remember, Jesus is looking on and he sees these two sights. 
The rich people giving in much and this poor widow giving in very little. Now who, according to human wisdom, would you expect Christ to be most pleased with? Uh, By human wisdom, you would think it was those who gave much. You can imagine uh, the uh, religious leaders rubbing their hands as they hear the money go in. They might, they might even have good motives. They might think, wow, we can do so much with this money, with this abundance which is being put into our treasury bowls. We can do so much good. We can feed so many poor. And human wisdom would take greater delight in the offering of the rich than the insignificant seemingly offering of the poor what does the bible say book of one samuel man looks on the outward appearance but the lord looks on the heart god jesus is not ultimately concerned with the outward appearance that we so often are concerned with. He's concerned with the heart. That's the third thing, the central thing that Jesus saw as he watched in the treasury. He saw the hearts of those who were giving. Jesus doesn't need money. You've thought about this. Jesus doesn't need your money. I love the story, I've shared it just recently, of when Jesus himself had to pay the temple tax. And Peter comes to him and says, shall we pay? And remember, Jesus and his disciples were not rich. Uh, They were poor themselves. And uh, Peter's worried because they haven't got anything to pay the temple tax with. And Jesus says to Peter, "Uh, go to the river or go to the lake and pay. Go and fish out a fish and take it and look in its mouth and you will find enough to pay for both you and me. Do you see the point? Jesus doesn't need to worry about money. He can make whatever money he needs. He created the world. I forget which psalm it is, but it says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills Uh, He made anything that is of value. Nothing would have value except because of Jesus. He doesn't need our gifts. He doesn't need our money. What he wants is our hearts. And what we do with our money reveals where our heart is. And when he saw this poor widow, even only putting in 250p coins, he saw something deeper. He saw her heart. Did you notice what he said? He said in verse 43, So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, 
But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Jesus saw through the two mites. He saw through the two 50p coins. And he saw the faith that was being exercised. The faith which was being demonstrated by this woman. Do you realize what the risk this would be? Or the potential risk? This is all she had. She put her whole livelihood and gave it to God. And most people would look at that and say, well, that's a risk. It's a bit of a gamble. Uh, Who knows where more money is going to come from? But her faith was in God. The rich people, as Jesus put it, gave out of their abundance. Uh, They gave whatever they could spare. They didn't give all. They gave what they felt they could give. And because they were rich, what they gave was seemingly large. But this woman had the faith and the trust to give to God all. Again, it reminds me of a story of a man uh, who bought for his little boy a little bag of chips. And... Uh, The father did what I'm sure all fathers do. He reached over to take a chip, to taste one uh, of the bag of chips he'd given to his son. And he was irritated when his son slapped his hand and he said, don't touch my chips. (laughs) Isn't that what we do to God? God has given us everything that we have. Everything is a gift from God. Everything ultimately belongs to him. Everything we have is ultimately a loan from him. And yet, when God says, as it were, give me a chip, we say, hands off. Don't touch what is mine. That wasn't this widow's heart. This widow's heart was different. She understood However poor she was, whatever she had belonged to God. So what she was doing wasn't a risk. It wasn't a gamble. Actually, it made perfect sense. As the book of Proverbs says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. And God is no one's debtor. Remind me of the hymn we sing at harvest time. Uh, We plough the fields and scatter, but the final verse says this, We thank thee then, O Father, for all things bright and good, the seed time and the harvest, our life, our health, our food. Accept the gifts we offer for all thy love imparts, and what thou most desirest, our humble, thankful hearts. That's what Jesus was looking for in that treasury. And that's what God's looking for from us. So let me ask you again. What does Christ see when you give? Does he see a stingy heart? uh, A heart which is reluctantly giving, which is fearfully giving, which is worried about giving too much? Or does it see... A grateful heart, a loving heart, 
a heart that trusts that nothing giving to God is wasted. That should be the attitude we have. And also, it should be the attitude we have towards other people. Uh, Sad, isn't it? But so often our love for others can be based on what they give to us. It's true, isn't it? Uh, We can love people who do good to us and we hate those who don't do good to us. How unlike Jesus we are. Instead of being chiefly concerned about a person's character, who they are, whether they're becoming more like Christ, we can be more concerned simply about what they can provide us. That wasn't the Apostle Paul's heart. Uh, Paul had a similar heart to Jesus' heart sitting here in the treasury. Do you remember the book of Philippians? And towards the end of that letter, writing to the Philippian church, uh, he commends them for their giving. He commends them for their giving to him, but he clarifies what he means. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent aid to me once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus a thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Do you hear what Paul's saying? He's saying, I'm grateful for your gift, but what delights me, what pleases me, is the fruit that abounds to your account. In other words, what delights me is what it tells me about you. It tells me that God is turning you into a generous people, a loving people, a kind-hearted people. And that's what delighted the heart of Paul. Not an extra big check in the post, though I'm sure he appreciated that. That wasn't what had his heart. That's not what gripped him. What gripped him was seeing people become more like Christ. And likewise, what gripped Christ here was seeing someone who had a deep faith in God. The amount was insignificant in God's eyes. Reminds me again of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7. It says, There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. Don't set your heart on wealth. Don't set your heart on possessions. Many people have um, proved the reality of that proverb. They've given their lives to getting more, getting uh, more money in their bank account, uh, increasing their career, increasing their possessions, increasing their status. And yet they've got nothing in the end, they feel empty and they do not have anything of substance. It reminds me of, I think I've said this before, but I'll share again. You might remember Michael Phelps, uh, I think he's the most successful Olympian of all time. Uh, has wealth, health, uh, fame, status. Uh, but apparently his, it was either his manager or his publicist or someone said to him one day, uh, he came to me and says, Michael, you have 
wealth. Uh, you can date anyone you want. Uh, you have fame. You have popularity. And yet you're the most miserable man I know. <laughs> wealth doesn't give us true riches. It doesn't give us true contentment. That can only come through Christ and through the righteousness that Christ gives to us. That's what we should strive for. So let me close with that, make it a short message tonight. What about you? What do you put your value in? Are you like those rich people who think highly of themselves for the great abundance that they can pour into the treasury bowl? Or are you like that poor widow who hasn't got much, perhaps doesn't look very impressive in the eyes of the world, doesn't have all the things which this world considers to be uh, attractive or praiseworthy, and yet everything you have is given to God. And so that he can look at your life and smile because he can see that he has your heart which is what he desires most. And with that question in mind, let's just close by singing our first, uh, sorry, our last hymn, number 782. And I've chosen it particularly for verse 3. Uh, it's a hymn which thanks Christ for what he has done and given to us. But then verse 3 says, Give me a faithful heart, likeness to thee that each departing day henceforth may see some work of love begun some deed of kindness done some wanderer sought and won something for thee so let's close by singing number 782